Well, good morning, everyone. Always a pleasure to, to be here together with you. It's a powerful song, hey, because it's declaring something that has been done. He has redeemed us, and we this, the whole, this whole song is about let the redeemed of the Lord give testimony to what it is that the Lord has done and has done in us, through us. And I think that this is the, the beauty of the gospel. It's a work that was finished, Revelation says, before the foundations of the world, that we then can walk in it. It's the eternal gospel. It's the message of Christ being formed in us and through us, that a new song would be placed in our hearts and on our lips, that we would go from being burdened and frustrated and weighed down by life to living free, to living whole lives, to living lives that are full of purpose and potential, hope and future. Hey, and so this is the, the powerful work that he's doing in us. Um, and so you're privileged to be here this morning, to be part of a family, to be part of a celebration of what God has been doing in his body for the last 2000 years. Hey, do you see it that way? Do you see yourself part of the saints of God, the household of God? Or is it just a little of me? But we are called saints. It doesn't say that we're becoming saints. It says we are saints. And because we are saints and our minds are being renewed to who he says that we are and who he called us to be before the foundations of the world, all of a sudden that realization it's called revelation on the inside, motivates a new kind of lifestyle, a new kind of living as we let go of who we used to be and who we thought we once were and lay hold of who God has always said that we are through the power of revelation that makes that actually genuinely real on the inside. Hey, So it's a massive and powerful gospel that we have the privilege not to hear about on a Sunday morning, but to participate in to participate in, not through good messages, but through having God himself come and live within us. It's awesome, hey? And so over the last year, we've been looking at what? Love, the divine nature of Abba, DNA, the divine nature of our Father. And for any um, takers, what did we talk about two weeks ago? What? aspect of love did we did we look at can anyone remember two weeks ago <laughs> is that a bit of a stretch the last time we looked at the divine nature no takers all right god god is love <laughs> we looked at god as love it was a big topic <laughs> obviously made a long lasting impact on everyone in the room <laughs> oh steph oh steph had it thank you gold star for you steph the only teacher in the room. But we looked at God as love. And we looked at if God is love, that's the divine nature of God. It's the divine nature of our Father. And we looked at the fact that the, the, this great mystery of the gospel is that we would become partakers of a divine nature. So if the divine nature of God is love, and we're to become partakers of that divine nature, what are we to be? We're to become love. And so we looked at the, the difference between 
being loved and becoming love. We looked at a gospel that saves us and then goes to work within us. And we're going to continue on that theme this morning um, because that particular passage that we looked at in 1 John, it talks about us being the people of God and who we're to become. It talks about the fact that we were loved and now we're to become love. And that love is to be expressed through us, not just towards God, but towards one another. In fact, John says, how can you say that you know God if you, do not, if you don't love your brother? He says it's two and one. It's, it's not one or the other. You can't have one and then be working on the other. You've got, you have to have both. In fact, the divine nature of God being formed within us forms love within us so that we can love one another, not because we're trying to, but because he lives inside of us. So, so this morning we're going to be looking at a particular aspect of this divine nature and particularly how this is expressed in our relationships with one another. And so there's a powerful script, um, scripture in Galatians 6. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. That's where we're going to um, go from this morning. Galatians 6, verse 1. And it talks about bearing one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. All right, so Galatians chapter 6. All right, verses 1 to 5. It says this, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he has something... When he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he'll have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Interesting scripture, eh? Bear one another's burdens. Does that sound a little bit baffling to you? We've been singing all morning about freedom. And freedom from burdens and freedom from slavery and freedom from bondage and freedom from carrying a heavy load. And then we wind up at a verse in Galatians that says, oh, by the way, I want you to bear one another's burdens. Is that contradictory or what? Man, the Bible is so full of contradictions. Man, the Old Testament contradicts the New Testament. God was a hater in the Old Testament, now he's a lover in the New Testament. He's telling us to be free from slavery, and now he's telling us to be a bond slave. He's telling us to love and honor our parents, and then he's telling us, he's saying things like, if you don't hate your mother and father, you're not worthy of me. My goodness, can he just not get his facts straight? Man, if he was to end up in court or something over this, he'd be... Is he not giving a false testimony? Is he confused? Is he out of his mind? Or is there a beautiful oneness contained within the gospel that's not one or the other, but it's both and more, hey? And so that's what we see here even in the scripture. Is that, listen to this. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. That's verse 2. Now listen to verse 5. 
for each one will bear his own load. My goodness. Bear one another's burdens. Oh, no, wait, by the way, every man still bear his own load. Paul is on the same kind of thing as Jesus, you know. (laughs) Firstly, Jesus can't get it straight, and now Paul is falling into the same kind of deception. Or maybe there's a burden that we need to bear, which is a right burden, which is light and freeing, and a wrong burden that we shouldn't be bearing, which cripples us and binds us and holds us in deception and bondage. Hey, So we're going to unpack this mystery this morning. We're going to look not just at um, one, but we're going to look at the beautiful unity of the gospel and see this thing as it actually is. Not as two, but as one. So it says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, burden, it means a weight. Now listen to this, in the context, it means this, it means to carry a weight equivalent to one's authority. Interesting, eh? To carry a weight equivalent to one's authority. Now, if you're, if you're writing notes like I know you eagerly will be, point number one is this. True freedom is found not in the absence of responsibility, pressure, and weight, but in the development of, stru- of true spiritual capacity. True freedom is found not in the absence of responsibility and pressure, but in the development of, stru- of true spiritual capacity. See, when, Jesus, oh, when Paul is saying to bear one another's burdens, he's not talking about putting a heavy weight on our chest that we can't bear. He's talking about entering into a quality of life, of being strengthened on the inside, so that we can be to one another what we need to be. Now listen to this. You might want to flick over here. This is Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. We've heard this passage before. It says this come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all you who have a burden, and I will give you rest. But it doesn't finish there. Then he says, now take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what Jesus doesn't say is he doesn't say, guys, come to me and I'll take this burden off you. Full stop. He says, come to me and I'll take a burden off you. But now I've got a burden, a right responsibility for you to carry. So he says this. He says, "Um, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Now listen, take my yoke upon you. He doesn't say take my yoke off you. He says take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest 
for your souls. See, the message of the gospel can be a message of intense pressure, expectation, and burden, wouldn't you say? You know, it says in the Old Testament, um, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Or he says things like, um, do not commit murder. And Jesus comes along and says, well, if you anger in your heart, you've committed murder already. He says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, he who lusts in his heart has committed adultery already. Now, are Jesus' commandments more burdensome than even the commandments in the Old Testament? And I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine a couple of years back who is a staunch atheist, and he used this exact scripture, and he says, man, the gospel is so full of pressure, and that's why I got out of Christianity, that not only am I not allowed to have sex, I'm not even allowed to lust in my heart. He's, God is convicting me of even my thoughts and my attitudes now. Is the gospel not full of immense pressure and expectation? Jesus takes the bar from being here to being up here. He takes the burden from being small and he lifts it and he elevates it so high that it's almost like putting this immense weight on our backs, right? Something that's so hard to fulfill. But it's actually in this place that you recognize the genuine beauty and power of the gospel which is actually not to lower the standards, but it's to raise your capacity. See, the great mystery of the gospel is not setting you free from the law. It's about bringing the fulfillment of the law within you. It's not saying that God forgives you from your sins so that you can now live a lifestyle completely how you like. He doesn't set you free just from sin. He sets you free so that you don't have to sin, to give you the capacity now and the power on the inside to be able to live a new kind of life. See, Jesus said, I I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. And right here in this verse in Galatians, he's not talking about doing away with the law, doing away with the expectation or the responsibility to love one another. He's talking about the fulfillment of the law, which is that you would receive the capacity in you to love with a love that's heavenly and divine. He's looking for the law of Christ to be filled within you, which is the divine nature of our Father. The law of Christ is the law of love. It's a love that you can't love-like without his nature inside of you. And so this is the mystery that the law of Christ, God himself, will be fulfilled within you. And so like I said, true freedom is found not in the absence of responsibility and pressure, but in the development of of true spiritual capacity. See, in this verse, Jesus isn't saying, come to me and I'll make your life easy. He's saying, come to me and I'll give you greater power on the inside to live above this earth. He says your life will be just as easy uh, just as easy or difficult as it was, probably more difficult to be honest, because it will come with persecution. But don't worry, I've overcome the world and I'm putting that same overcoming nature and life within you so that you can overcome the world. He's developing strength. We're to be pillars of strength in the household of God, is what the Scripture says. We're to be men and women who overcome and are not overcome. 
So put here, freedom is found in bearing the weight equivalent to our authority with the capacity and the grace that God provides. See, worldly freedom is about getting out of a hard situation. See, William Wilberforce brought about freedom from slavery for those who were caught up in the slave trade. William Wallace brought about freedom from the Scottish against the hands of their enemies, if anyone's seen Braveheart. Levi has this book at the moment, <laughs> and it's a fascinating book. It's about this kid who goes through his daily life, and it shows in parallel the daily life of his dad. So it's like guy wakes up in the morning, and he's like, bing, I'm awake, ready for the day, ready for action. And then the next page is like, dad wakes up in the morning, 5 a.m., and he's like got this dreary, like, oh, my goodness, I've got to get out of bed. And then the kid, he's like, going to work in the car and he's got like his fire engine and he's like scooting along and his fire engine the guy and the guy then is like stuck in the traffic jam in the rain you know and the, the title of the book is just like daddy but it's this book about that this that this boy and his kid and his dad his dad is going through the daily grind hanging out for the weekend and then it's like the last page the weekend comes and it's like yes we're living it up they're flying kites they're running around but is that really the freedom that we're called to? That we would grind out the daily grind, living our lives for the weekend for a taste of freedom? Was the freedom that William Wilberforce needed to bring these slaves into really just to be brought out of slavery? Well, in Ephesians 6, you know, Paul gives instruction to slaves and he says this, he says, slaves submit to your masters. Not when they're reasonable, but when they're unreasonable. In 1 Corinthians 7.21, i just quickly flick there. He says this, Were you called while a slave? Don't worry about it. If you're able to come free, rather do that. For he who was called, as the Lord's, uh, called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with the price. Do not become slaves of men. Interesting, eh? So Paul's giving instructions to slaves, and he says, look, if you can get free, that's good. It's not a bad thing. Go for it. But he's saying if you can't, it's actually no problem. Why? Because I've got a greater freedom for you to enter into than just from coming out of physical slavery. Come and learn from me and I'll give you freedom on the inside so that you can live as a slave and yet be completely free. You can be freed from physical slavery. Now that is deeply offensive to people who might be actually physically in slavery. We all might be in a form of slavery. Sometimes working an office job or working a job can be equivalent to a form of slavery. We've, we've got bosses, we've got managers that we need to report to. And sometimes it can be like going through the daily grind and living for a freedom which will finally come on Saturday morning when I can get a sleep in. But actually, Paul is saying here, guys, the greatest freedom that you could enter into is not the freedom from the things around you. It's the freedom that can come within you. And so Paul encourages slaves and he says, guys, don't make your life's ambition to get out of slavery. Make your life's ambition to enter into freedom that will make you a bond servant of Christ. 
not being a slave to the things around you, but being free from because of the one who lives within you. So I've said, point number one, like I've said, is true freedom is found not in the absence of responsibility and pressure, but in the development of, of true spiritual capacity. Now, responsibility does not necessarily mean bondage and pressure. In fact, responsibility can be a good thing. And we can try and seek out freedom in the wrong way through letting go of our responsibility. And so one good example that I like is, has anyone seen The Lion King? Lion King is one of my favorite movies. We just reinvigorated the passion for it when we went out to Jaden's birthday <laughs> a, a number of months back. And it's a powerful story um, where, um, what's, what's the guy's name? What's the, <laughs> I'm having a mind blank. Simba. Sometimes it's like under the lights, you get like a little bit of a mind blank up here. It is one of my favorite movies. But Simba was always born and predestined to be the king of the Pride Lands, right? And through the slavery and through the deception that's fed to him from his uncle and from the stuff that's going on within him, he relinquishes what he was always called to his kingly calling. And he goes and he sells himself short, not living a bad life, not living a destructive life but actually living what he thought was now a free life. And so he meets Timon and Pumbaa. Is that it? Not Simone, like I said to the guys before. Timon and Pumbaa, who tell him about this new kind of freedom. And, they, and so they start singing songs. Hakuna, Matata, Hakuna, Matata. <laughs> Hakuna Matata. It means no worries for the rest of your day. Okay, that's enough. Hakuna Matata. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's problem free. It's a problem free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. And so, free, so Simba is seeking out freedom. Why? Because he's been sold a lie about who he was always predestined to be. And he sells out short and he goes and meets these friends who are good friends and they're good, nice, genuine guys. But they say to him, mate, come on, there's more for you than this. There's more for you. Live this no worries lifestyle. And so Simba goes along and he, he lives the lie. He lives the daily grind. He lives just normal life. Until a time comes where he's confronted with who he was always predestined to be. So he was living in a form of freedom, but it was actually a form of bondage. Why? Because he was living less than who he was always called to become. And so he's called out by Nala, who says, hey, come, come back. Let me tell you about a greater freedom. It's called freedom while being full of responsibility. Come and take up your responsibility because there's a greater freedom for you and there's a greater freedom for this entire community if you're to step into who you were called to be and become. See, freedom for Simba wasn't found in the absence of responsibility. It was found 
by stepping into true spiritual authority and capacity. Now, there was a greater freedom to be found in the, in the promised land through a man stepping into who he was called to be. And there's a greater freedom for us. We can look for freedom in the absence of responsibility. We can look for freedom in the scriptures, particularly in Romans 7, where Paul talks about the thing that I want to do, I don't do, and I end up doing the thing that I hate doing, and justify the fact that we can live a half-hearted, lukewarm life because it's just the way that things are. I'm only human. I'm only natural. I'm only normal. I'm just, I just deal with my issues, and that's just always the way it's going to be. And so we try and find freedom by pushing away expectation and responsibility as opposed to trying to find freedom and entering into the capacity that God has always called us into, which was not to do away with the law, but it was that the fulfillment of the law of Christ would be formed within us. So Simba stepped into his authority and he found freedom not just for himself, but the entire nation that he was leading. Now, I have another example. In Potidur all the time, um, I used to work at Work and Income for a number of years. And one of the, the biggest client groups that we worked with was, was solo parents. And so I did a lot of work with solo parents. Most of them were really fantastic, genuine, hard-working people who found themselves in a tricky situation where um, the, the male who was supposed to be showing responsibility in their life often had, when a baby had come along, had walked away. And so these young men who were immature, when responsibility turned up, tried to walk away and not take care of this young baby who had come from, from them. They tried to find freedom in the way that they used to find freedom, which was being able to go out and about, do the things that they wanted to do, live the life. And all of a sudden, a situation came up requiring them to step into authority and responsibility. Now, would you say that running away from that situation is a sign of freedom or a form of bondage? Form of bondage, right? But yet, in their minds, it's a form of freedom. Letting go of responsibility means freedom, right? I don't have to deal with this. I can just go and live my life. But actually, in the midst of the situation, the most freeing thing would be able to take up the responsibility that they have and step into it. Trusting and believing that they would be able to find a new kind of capacity on the inside to be who they had never been able to be before, right? So in this situation, freedom is not the absence of responsibility. It's the formation of a new kind of capacity on the inside. Now, this is the mystery and the power of the gospel. That when we read scriptures that say, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, you've heard it said, don't anger in your heart, uh, you know, don't commit murder. But I say to you, he who angers in his heart has committed murder already. Don't run from it. Why? Because you were predestined before the foundations of the world to be conformed according to the image of the Son. That's who you were called and chosen to be. When you got born again, that's a seed that now lives inside of you. You were born of a kingly line, of the line of the tribe of Judah. 
And like Simba, when responsibility comes, freedom is found in stepping into it, not stepping away from it. And so when you read the scriptures, particularly the hard scriptures that call you to a higher calling and a greater purpose, know that you've been called before the foundations of the world not to run from it, but to step into it and to have the reality of that formed within you and you'll find true freedom, not in running from the scriptures, but in allowing the scriptures, the word of God to go to work within you and form Christ's very substance and life on the inside. So we have a burden to bear. We've got a responsibility to bear, but it's a light responsibility. Why? Because the capacity within us is greater than the burden of responsibility that is around us. All right, so that's the first, so that's verse is one and two, sorry. All right, verse number four of Galatians, it says, But each man must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another, for each one will bear his own load. Now, I've talked about responsibility, and I've talked about bearing a burden that's a right burden. But there's also a wrong burden to bear, a burden that will lead to, to bondage and to frustration and, um, and to being crippled. And I put here is point number two. We have a responsibility to care for one another, but not to carry one another. While we do have a responsibility to it, towards ourselves and our own walk and a responsibility to one another, it's to care and not to carry. It's to play our role well, to have the divine nature of God formed within us that we would be able to love, but that we wouldn't then take on an unnecessary responsibility for others in the wrong way. So I've got my fabulous assistant somewhere in the audience who's going to come up. Pete, can you come up as well and just give me a hand, mate? You can give these good-looking men a round of applause. So just put that come, up, come up onto the stage so everyone can see you. All right, so there's a right responsibility and there's a wrong responsibility towards each other. Now, my poor friend Mike here, just like the scripture in Galatians, has been poor, has been, because of his spiritual blindness, has been caught in a trespass. He's not in a particularly good place. So, like the good Samaritan that I am, um, there's, there's three options for getting Mike out of his bondage and back down to the promised land. Pete, can you hold the mic for a minute? Option number one. Uh, option number two, Pete. <laughs> Pete did volunteer for this, but I said that I'd stick with Mike. <laughs> uh, 
otherwise the example might actually come to light a bit too much. <laughs> All right, option number two. You can take, put your mask up for a second. Come, come back up. All right, option number two. Don't fall, mate, don't fall! <laughs> Yay! Yeah. All right, well done, mate. Glad you made it all by yourself. Nailed it, all right. All right, option number three. Yeah, round of applause. Thank you, Mike. Made it through alive. So there's a responsibility that's right and there's a responsibility that's wrong. There's a burden to bear and then there's a burden not to bear. So we need to learn how to be rightly related to each other so that we can bear the right kind of burden and not the wrong kind so like I said, we've got a responsibility to care for one another, but not carry one another. So I put here, carrying is pretty dangerous. It cripples us, makes us tired and weary. It makes the other person dependent on us. It means if I fall, he falls. And if he falls, I fall. It's codependence versus independence. Uh, sorry, codependence versus interdependence. It means that Mike doesn't have the opportunity to grow himself. I'm doing all the work. He's just coming along for the ride and ends up no better off than when we started. But caring is freeing. Caring is, means that we are actively involved, but our active involvement is not at our detriment. It doesn't cripple us. It supports the other person and helps them, but doesn't assume actual responsibility for their own burden and for a process that they need to go through. It means if they fall, we don't fall with them. In fact, we can actually help support them and build them up. It means that the other person has the opportunity to grow themselves. You can see the contrast, hey? that we're to care, we're to be actively involved in each other's lives. We're to bear one another's burdens. But the bearing of a burden looks like option number three. It looks like supporting. It looks like encouraging. It looks like walking in discipleship. It looks like being completely, totally present and there. But it doesn't look like taking on an unnecessary responsibility that's ultimately going to lead to our destruction. See, as soon as you check out, like I did on option number two, you've missed it. See, just because we're not to be responsible for one another doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility to one another. In fact, as soon as we check out, it shows that we're not caring and all of a sudden we're not fulfilling the law of Christ. But if I start carrying then all of a sudden I'm not fulfilling the law of Christ either 
because I'm not helping Mike to bear a right responsibility that is for him. You know, I've only ever had one dancing lesson from YouTube. <laughs> I had a brilliant idea one day that I would learn to dance. I think it was just when we first got married, a romantic, romantic notion for the newlyweds. But it lasted all of one YouTube clip. But I did learn, I did learn one thing through it. And so when, you are, when you're dancing, the first thing that you need to learn is to carry your own weight. So you'd think that when you're standing here arm in arm with someone that you'd be leaning on them or that they'd be supporting you or be, you'd be supporting one another. Actually, you're supporting one another around the dance course, but you're supporting your own weight so that the other person is free to be them. You're not carrying an unnecessary burden. And actually, in carrying your own weight, there's a greater glory and a greater expression of oneness and freedom and unity that comes where you lead and guide and support the other person. See, Jesus, um, people were constantly wanting Jesus to carry them. We've heard from Greg um, over the last couple of weeks that they wanted to make Jesus a king. People wanted to make Saul a king as well. Why? So that they could fight, he could fight their battles for them. What is he saying? They wanted a king so that they could get rid of their right responsibility and have someone else shoulder them and carry their load. They wanted to run from responsibility, not grow up into the capacity and maturity to bear the right authority and position of responsibility that they were supposed to. They wanted Jesus to do this for a range of different reasons. Some people miracles, some people even at the foot of his cloth, uh, at the foot of the, the cross, wanted the clothes on his back, and they were gambling for who would get the clothes off his back once he had been crucified. But we need to have a greater value for who people are to us than what they can do for us. Entering into right relationship, right discipleship, mutual responsibility for each other. See, Jesus knew that carrying them was not to be what they needed. In fact, he says this, he says, it's to your benefit that I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. And I've given the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. See, when you're bearing one another's burdens by carrying someone on, on your back, you don't want them to go because they're your source. But Jesus said, it's to your benefit that I physically depart this earth. Now, so often I hear, you know, oh man, it would just be amazing to have been there when Jesus was physically walking the earth. Man, it would be so awesome to have actually met the Apostle Paul. Now, it's good. It's a nice, it's a nice sentiment. It's a nice thing to, to think about. But actually, Jesus says, it's to your benefit that I go. Why? Because I don't want you to trust in me. I don't want, I don't want you to think that I'm going to carry your load. I want you to enter into true spiritual capacity. I want you to grow and mature to be able to carry weight, to be able to receive the Holy Spirit on the inside, the divine nature of your Father, so that you can mature and that you can become like me to those who are around you. You don't just need me to do miracles to demonstrate the divine nature of the Father on the earth. I've called you to do that 
And while you're still trusting in me to do that and think that I'm the answer, while I am, I'm the answer through demonstrating it, and I'm the firstborn among many brethren so that there might be a whole nation of priests who radiate my glory on the earth. See, Jesus knew that carrying them was not what they needed. Jesus didn't carry people, but instead he cared for them and taught them to bear their own load. Mark chapter 4 verse 38 is a um, story that Luke shared about in his um, testimony before. The disciples are all asleep in the boat. Uh, sorry, um, the disciples are all on the boat, and Jesus is, is asleep down the bottom. And the big storm rises up, and they say, "Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? Do you not care?" But it says this, and Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and said, "Hush, be still." And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And so the disciples said, do you not care? And Jesus said, no, I do care. Hush, be still. I do care. But then he goes on to say, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? He says, I care, but I'm not going to carry. He says, I care, But what you need right now is not just for me to hush the wind and the waves and be still. You need to learn how to sleep on the boat. Why? Because if you learn how to sleep on the boat, if you grew up into true, genuine, spiritual capacity on the inside, you wouldn't need me to calm the wind and the waves and the storm. You'd be sleeping with me. So Jesus says, I do care, but I'm not going to carry you. And I care enough about you in this moment to, to perform a miracle, but hey, Let me teach you. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest from the storm. I'll calm that storm. But now let me teach you so that you can find rest for your soul, not rest for your boat, not rest for your situation, not rest for the the hard time that you're going through. Let me come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul. I've got a greater rest. I've got a greater freedom for you to enter into than just the freedom from the wind and the waves. I've got a greater freedom for you to enter into than just getting a better job with a better boss. I've got a better freedom for you to enter into than just having a break from the kids. I've got a better freedom for you to enter into from just getting whatever it is. Come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul. I'll give you true spiritual capacity on the inside that you don't have to now run from responsibility anymore, but that you can step up into it and fulfill the law of Christ within you and towards one another. I put here, and I might just, I might just say this. It says, I said, Jesus did care but it was not to the detriment of the growth and maturity of other people. The people wanted to make Jesus their king. They wanted to be carried, but he wanted to care for them and teach them how to carry their own load and their own burden, which was light. Now, a light burden is not just about the burden. It's actually more about what's who we are. I've been to the gym. I've, 
I'm not, I'm not particularly committed to these things. I've, one, I've done one dancing lesson, and I've been to the gym once in my life. Thank you, Ethan, for dragging me there. But we started on the bench, <laughs> started on the bench press. And I, said, I just said to him, look, let's just put a lightweight on to start with. So he just put some, you know, some lightweights on the side. And I'm there, and I'm like shaking. And I th- said, I asked for a light one, man. He said, it is a light one. <laughs> and so we had to take the weights off the bar. <laughs> and I was just doing the bar. <laughs> and I was shaking. <laughs> it was a heavy burden. And the guys are looking around. It's like a whole gym packed full of like muscle men. <laughs> See, the problem in this moment was actually not the burden. It was my lack of capacity. And so in this verse, Jesus comes to me and he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Learn from me and I'll give you rest from your souls. See, when he talks about giving you rest from your souls, he's not, like I said, talking about rest from the burden going on around you. He wants to grow and form a greater life on the inside of you so that the burden which used to cripple you now is light. Why? Because you're strong. Because you've been formed in the divine image of your father. You've grown up. You've got a new strength. You've got a new life source on the inside that's been formed by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. From the word of God going to work and strengthening you, changing you, forming Christ in you. So I think that's probably good for now, Um, but I hope it's been food for thought and seeing what a right burden is and what a wrong burden is, and seeing what the actual answer for us is and all the things that we're going through. It's actually not freedom from the things around us. It's a greater life source and a capacity within us to go through those things and to be able to stand firm, to be able to sleep in the storm, to be able to lift the 20 kg bar, to be able to step into who we've been predestined to be as sons, bearing a responsibility that's right and it's light because of the power of the gospel forming in us and through us what it does, which is Christ's very own life. So Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and cut and divide. Father, it would divide soul from spirit. Father, it would set us free from wrong mindsets, wrong thinking. Father, needing to bear a burden that's not right, but bearing responsibility that is right because you've called us to it, you've empowered us to live it, and you've empowered us to step into your new nature through the work of your Holy Spirit within us. So, Father, we love you and we thank you for what you've been doing in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.